on this episode of AV Week, the AV and IT marriage, as our buddy Frank Patakala says, taking a look at art and AV as an experience and the future of touchless in AV. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 535, recorded Thursday, November 18th, 2021. Behind the Duck. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron and by Sennheiser. For over 75 years, Sennheiser has been a leader in pro audio and is now offering a wide variety of touchless and traditional audio solutions for both corporate and educational campus-wide audio. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. If you're here, you're, we're recording this early because next week is Thanksgiving for us, and Tim's taking PTO for the first time in 10 years. So uh, we're recording this on Thursday. With us, and I'll explain in a second uh, some interesting things. Uh, first and foremost, John Hinkle, uh, the only man that I know personally that has an Emmy. He is from Netgear. Welcome, sir. Thank you so much. Good to see you again, Tim. Good to see you. Also with us uh, is my brother from another mother who he and I started out in this world as tech managers, and now we're in opposite directions. Mr. Mike Brandis from QSC. Welcome, sir. Good to be on. QSC has an Emmy for QSIS, but I myself do not own an Emmy. You do not. Hinkle has an Emmy. It says John Hinkle. We all want to be John Hinkle when we grow up. <laughs> oh, if you really knew the details. There are parts that we want to be. When I reach John's age, I will have a bit more hair than he does currently. I don't know. I wouldn't put that out into the atmosphere. And, you know. <laughs> I just my my grandfather died at like ninety five with a full head of hair, so I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in that. You'll be good. Couldn't grow a beard to save his life, but so that's the same. Um, so as things would happen, first and foremost, we were supposed to have Becca Sullins on, who I absolutely love and adore. She was on a panel with me at Infocom. Um, she has some little ones. And as little ones happen, accidents happen. So our best to her is she's going to get some stitches. The the little one, not not Becca. Um, so God love her. Um, so had a couple dropouts, and then Frank Patacala just has lost my number. Not really. Um, we again we we're, we're recording this on Thursday. Um, so uh, so Frank had to to, to bail on that one. Uh, I do have a statement for him from the first um, the first uh, story that we're doing because we're doing AV and IT uh, quote unquote. AV and IT are like a married couple. You might hate each other, but you've got to keep it at it for the kids. And that is quote-unquote from Frank Patakala. So, with that premise, here we go. Commercial integrator uh, Jonathan Blackwood, actually one of the last articles he wrote before uh, he exited stage left of, of Come Integrator, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, Jonathan writes about the fact that, you know, the, the dreaded word convergence, which I think reared its ugly head sometime around 2001, 2002, in the AV world, uh, it's occurred. It's happened. More accurately, uh, that intersection between AV and IT has happened. "Quote unquote." For much equipment, so much equipment, and many systems, the two are inexorably linked. Now, I didn't choose the story when I realized that Hinkle was on. I actually already chose the story, but this kind of works out nicely, and especially with Brandis being here um, and QSC. John, we'll start with you. You got hired by Netgear. <laughs> 
because of the AVIT convergence. Um, they 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 um, identified the fact that that the AV space is important, especially for for a switch manufacturer. So talk about you know is Frank right? Is uh, is it a, a married couple who are going through? You know, the throes of divorce, but they have to stay together because of the kids. And I guess it, this kid, we're the kids in this. Um, or is it is it something different? Is it something deeper? Well, I think there's certainly a touch of that. And yes, I think it's a credit to Netgear for hiring some AV folks like myself and some others to really understand the marketplace. Um, because it shows right there, there's a difference in what the IT people know and what the AV people know. I think, first of all, I, I've learned from a couple of years here from Laurent, my good friend and the product line manager for our managed switches, that uh, you really shouldn't converge them. So let's talk less about convergence and more about um, just they need to interop together, right? So not everything should be on the same network as IT. Um, and all these things lead into the discussion of like, okay, well, why not? Why shouldn't they? Well, you need to understand IT and the IT people need to understand AV. So from an IT standpoint, that IT network is already oversubscribed the way it works, the way it's set up. So it doesn't matter if your email takes a couple of moments to send, it's gonna send eventually. But that matters if we're having a podcast or if you're on the air with somebody in Zoom call. So those things are the reasons why you wanna create a separate AV network. Ensure the controllers for AV uh, might need to, can be on the IT network because you've got to manage your network, manage your AV network, and that could be remote. But not everything on the AV network needs to have internet connectivity for one thing. And also, you want to make sure it's just separated and controlled in its own little environment, not only using VLANs and things like that. But um, I think it's less of a converging them both together and more making sure they interoperate. And then we can talk about some other stuff. There's a lot of good things, a lot of good points in that article that are raised. All right. Um, Mike, I mentioned the fact that it was just serendipitous that you're here as well. Um, QSC has made no bones about the fact that they are going down the IT road. Um, talk for a second about that realization, that strategic decision, and where not just QSC, but also Mike Brandis sees this space going. So first, I'm going to respond to the gentleman from New Jersey and his quote. Um, <laughs> IT and AV He's are from like Long Island. Language. He is from Long Island. Uh, time out. Oh, He's Long Island. Long Island. I apologize yes, to the entire separate. state of New Jersey. I do not want to get emails. <laughs> Long Island is not New Jersey. All right, continue. Notwithstanding, um, it is like a marriage, and um, like every marriage, right, different strokes for different folks. Some folks do want their networks converged. Some folks do want to have a network where they run their real-time audio and video systems on the same flat network that they run their telephones, printers, desktop, uh, right? Um, and there, there's exactly the people that John just described that want two completely different networks, want to tie them together maybe through a control element, so people on um, a corporate network accessing the internet can reach their control system. So there's no, um, like with everything in the AV industry, we can all have our firm opinions, but there's no right or wrong way to do things. Short of if your packets get where they need to go in the time you need them, you're doing it correctly, whether it's uh, with a separate network or whether it's with a converged network. Um, and at QSC, you know, we have a number of customers that are running everything on the same network. We pride ourselves in being able to run on your network, proper QoS, proper IGP management, notwithstanding, um, it's nothing that is prohibitive to running other signals around, no jumbo frames, none of those type things that are unique to just uh, audio or video transport. Um, so that's a bucket there. The, you know, the second one is why would we, an AV 
in the corporate space especially, it needs to be closer aligned to IT than in any other space. It's completely different uh, for digital signage, installation, uh, and some AV over IP in a casino where there might be three or four network access points for people to, to hop on, right? That's a different level of convergence than um, I have an office building with 600 desktop workstations, uh, 600 phones, 20 printers, uh, and six conference rooms, right? Um, so when we talk about IT and AV being the same, right, that's a lot more in the corporate space than it is in the non-corporate space. I think there's a different level of AV and IT when you think about themed entertainment applications uh, and things like that. Um, the most strenuous um, area in which they converge should always be the target because you can back off from there. You don't have to start um, trying to make it work in a really light IT environment and then ultimately shooting behind the duck when it comes to your corporate infrastructure. So that's kind of one of the, the big differences for a company like QSC. We want to be able to, we want to develop products, we want to develop solutions, we want to develop professional services that allow people to choose the network infrastructure they want instead of coming in off the bat and saying, you're going to do it our way or you can't do it. Uh, the people writing the checks usually get to make the decisions. So that's kind of um, the QSC uh, mindset. And, you know, for me personally, um, I ran uh, an AV department at a university, which was part of the IT department. Um, and at that time, you know, eight years ago, when we were starting to talk about convergence, God, it's been eight years, um, we, uh, it was, oh, I'll put this hub so that way I can get a network connection to my insert push button panel so I can pull it up on rudimentary network monitoring and management. I'm trying not to throw out product lines and, and manufacturer names. And the IT department was already having a stroke about that, uh, right? And now here we are some number of years later. I think we've decided it was eight. Um, and, you know, we're talking about putting, you know, 750, 800 megabit per second network video streams uh, on the same network that everything else is running on and really having the tools in the AV uh, product lines and through, you know, switches that like Netgear provide uh, and QSE resells, um, to, to really manage all that efficiently, right? There's no manual package shaping. You just insert your QoS values. And, you know, at this point, if you're running your network stacks quickly, it should just work, right? So, it's, I, I want to point something out there that Brandon said. And I, I, he and I really have known each other for, for 10 years. We really were both tech managers at the time. He worked for an IT department 10 years ago. He was one of the first people that I knew that did, right? So 10, 15 years ago, we still had separate departments, and Mike was, and, and, and the folks at, in West Palm were one of the first uh, to, to really kind of bring the, the AV folks underneath. Uh, and he and I had separate experiences. Our, um, our, our college, uh, the IT folks were a little bit more forward-thinking, <laughs> and not, not, they, they basically gave me a block of IP addresses every summer and said, here, go have fun. Uh, and here's your VLAN, and, and you know, don't don't screw up anything, and, and don't let in any hackers. And we didn't, right? Um, and I learned an awful lot that way. Obviously, Brandis had learned learned his stuff, you know, a, a different different way. But I, I I liked how this is going with, it, you know. And I will say, it eventually did settle in once, yeah. uh, you know, it was understood. Once the white papers were out, saying this is the ports were opening, this is what we're doing, right? A lot of this is, you know, product side, but a lot of it is also documentation side and explaining to people that have a very uh, focused view, not narrow, but very focused and deep view of, you know, IT protocols, networking protocols, cybersecurity protocols, things like that. 
um, exactly what it is you're doing. I think with knowledge comes acceptance. It's not this just giant black box that's a vulnerability on my network, right? It's these ports, blah, 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 blah. And you know, QSE, again, going down the IT path, has published a lot of information about not only, you know, port access and things like that, but, you know, realistically, like, of all the technology we use, are there any vulnerabilities out there? And all that stuff's available, you know, on our website for anyone to go poke around. Um, and so that's kind of um, an upfront kind of push on our end to say, okay, here's, we're going to give you as much information as you can to make this choice a lot easier down the road. That's something the article brings out too. A lot of is talking about education and training. You know, a lot of companies had their IT specialist and there's that one guy who's got to go to every installation and figure out how to set everything up and make it work. But uh, it's better now, as the article points out, to have a broader range of people who are trained with some of the basic concepts of AV over IP for IT. So you do need to make sure people can speak to the IT department. And it sounds like in Brandis's case, he was an IT guy, or maybe he was an AV guy first, but he learned all the IT concepts. And that's important. There's a lot of places you can go for some of this stuff. Uh, Netgear has its own academy for learning some basics and some little more advanced concepts. There's tons of other training out there, SDVOE Academy, even if you aren't doing SDVOE, has some really good courses on that stuff. But that's the important thing that the AV teams need to know is what the heck are they doing? When they plug in that switch to the network, uh, what, what's happening? What's going to happen out there? And that's where I think Netgear's done a good job as well by taking IGMP and revamping it, saying, look, IGMP is great. you got to have it for multicast. But it wasn't built to be as practical as it needs to be. So we changed it and make sure that when you plug a Netgear switch in, it's the AV line switches. It's not going to flood your network. Little things like that go a long way to the IT department. So they know that yes, you're not going to plug in and just take the network down. So I think that helps a lot. And, and the more that AV people can understand what's behind all this versus just accepting it, then uh, they'll be better to be able to communicate with the IT department. And let's just be clear, taking the network down is a bad thing. Okay? I think just, not just in case you need a baseline of education, taking the network down is bad. It's a, it's a forced break from email, and it's fine. Well, yeah, well, there's that. Um, uh, from Amy, uh, Amy Magazine, uh, taking a look at Uber's new Mission Bay campus in San Francisco. It is an art, a digital art experience called The Stream Art Installation. It was design, designed by Brooklyn-based uh, Hush Studios, along with Electrosonic as the technology partner. This includes lighting, sound design, um, uh digital aspects that that kind of mold and, and evolve with the people that are um experiencing it um one part of this 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 piece that i i kind of kind of stumble over a bit is the fact that the stream was supposed to um exemplify the cultural shift inside uber and if you know anything about uber um yeah they needed a cultural shift. Let's just put it that way. Um, Hinkle, we'll start with you on this. You look at stuff like this. This really is the the epitome of Avix's drive to, you know, uh, AV as an experience. Um, how do we get more stuff like this? Right? How do we encourage companies um, like Hush, like Uber, like whoever, to start, you know, evolving and really leveraging some of the power that AV has to create some of these experiences? Number one, money. <laughs> you know, okay. these, these things are not cheap. Uh, yeah, I worked yeah. for RGB Spectrum for a number of years doing video wall processors. We saw a lot of lobby walls. Uh, Salesforce was an awesome one, too. So two things to that. It takes content. It takes an understanding of the process, I think, first. 
and magazines that are showcasing these case studies help a lot to talk about, you know, look, this thing they said took three years, more than three years in the making. It's not just the physical video wall, the, you know, 60% of the cost, I don't know, I'm just making these numbers up. Uh, a ton of the cost is on content. And that's what makes it sing. And that is not easy and not cheap. Um, so it's making sure that people are aware of what it takes to get in there and do it. But also, I think, trying to see what's actually happening with their employees. You know, like you said, Uber had a huge, uh, some huge problems to overcome. And this is, this whole experience came about with a new director of marketing or VP of marketing, a new CEO, all those sort of things who understood that this will affect our employees walking in the building. And that's really uh, where you want to make sure you hit them. They're going to be more productive. They're going to be happy to work there, all that sort of stuff. It, it's an amazing installation just from the photos I saw. Uh, and I've been to the Salesforce one in San Francisco. Those are awesome. And they, they mean more than just, oh, here's some digital signage. It is about making sure your employees are engaged and more productive. And I think this speaks to that. All right. Brandon, same kind of question. It says, how do we get more folks to, to kind of leverage this, uh, this idea of really using AV for experiences, for, you know, uh, changing cultures? Yeah, I mean, I think Uber's cultural problems extend beyond what an AV wall can fix uh, and any AV experience can fix. Um, it's well documented. I think, but it's a good first step. And I, I was on here a few weeks ago. We we're talking about digital signage and I can't remember the exact context, but uh, the answer is the same. The content, not the mechanism, makes the difference, uh, especially as we talk about transforming culture. So the content is really what's going to you know make or break it but getting people to invest in the vehicle right the experiential av um you know you see that you know salesforce is good and linkedin uh is another one this this uber one and uh, you know I'm, I'm late to the game so i didn't actually read the article well just for the record i grabbed you off of twitter this afternoon okay so don't you didn't have to throw yourself under the bus on that it's it's fine um i imagine it's beautiful i imagine it's breathtaking and, and we've all experienced these at different you know, non-corporate things at art events, at, uh, you know, festivals, things like that. You know, one of the most arresting moments of my life, I sat in front of like a 35-foot wide screen in the third floor of the Walker Art Museum in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and watched uh, like a 25-minute loop of Husker Du uh, scroll vertically through a screen, right? That was seven years ago, and it was the content that drove me there. It wasn't a fancy AV exhibit, but it was the content. Um the AV exhibit, I think, uh, especially in a corporate installation, if you want your employees to stop, to take a moment, a breath, as they're clamoring through with their coffee in their briefcase or coffee and backpack uh, or soy latte and uh, papoose, whatever conveyance method, you know, uh, something visually arresting, something auditorially arresting, something that stops them in their tracks and makes them spend some time with the content uh, can be an incredible way to you know, meet your goals. You see some of these giant video wall digital sign things with the like 3D looking content, right? That's way different uh, from a viewer impact than walking by uh, the brightest video board with a static Sony image on it in Times Square, right? Those are light years apart for how someone's going to interact with it. So the, the AV is the vehicle. The content is, you know, where the really the, the benefit comes in. All right, very good. Last story actually comes to us from our website, avnation.tv. Sure, who is a sponsor of Avionation, they have a new Microflex uh, complete wireless conference system. The thing about, about this that makes this interesting is that it has a hands-free mode. Now, uh, the hands-free mode prevent, uh, permits free-flowing conversation, quote-unquote, easing the dynamics of any meeting. 
Mr. Hinkle, mm. I think that we're on the on the outskirts of this COVID thing. I could be wrong. I hope I'm not. I think that we're on the downswing. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Cross fingers. Yep. So, what 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 does the future of hands free look like? Is, is there a market market here? Is are we going to see more and more things where folks just want to sit down and, um, you know, in a, like let's say a presentation mode, they sit down, they push a button on their own personal device, and suddenly they're they're broadcasting? Or are we going to get beyond this? I don't want to touch anything because I might have germs. You know, I think it's going to go both ways. I think I think COVID in many many ways has helped accelerate some technology that was coming or lurking, but didn't have as much of a reason to be developed or, or made or brought to market. I think hands-free is one of those where it can be really helpful in a lot of ways, uh, for sure. It can also get in the way of things. Uh, you know, before the podcast, we were talking a little bit about that. I think we've all had Zoom problems with muting and unmuting and stuff like that. Hands-free could kind of help with that, I guess, automatic leveling. On the other hand, it can also focus incorrectly sometimes too. So. Uh, as I read the article, and I think we're seeing more AI involved in some of these projects too, if I just clear my throat, that may not be enough for it to open up the mic. So that's a good thing. And that's really annoying watching some podcasts. I remember watching some, I'm not going to name who, because that's not right, but some podcasts where it just stayed on the person who wasn't a speaker because they cleared their throat the last for like five minutes. You're like, really? And this is about AV. Come on, people. So I think the way I read the article and knowing Sure as the kind of company they are, they're putting some smarts into it to actually make this, to pull this off correctly. So it will focus correctly and we'll see how that is. But I think, I think COVID in general has made people aware of the dangers of touching everything in the world and shaking hands at trade shows. And, oh, we're talking about trade shows. That's right. Shaking hands in general are, are not always a good thing. So this is in the good vein of that, I think, and good light to uh, come to market. We can talk about trade shows for crying out loud. We're just, we're in between a couple of them. Yeah. Brandis, same question here. Where where are we headed for, with, with, with touchless, you know, hands-free? A uh, number of years ago, my buddy George Tucker uh, made the statement that he's not a gesture uh, because, you know, he doesn't want to be able to have to do, you know, the, the, the air traffic control signals to, to unmute stuff. Uh, or have we gotten there? You know, we joke about this in our office occasionally, uh, that the success of voice or gesture control is going to be um, limited by the most important person who ever has to use it. No CEO is going to stand in front of a screen and wildly flap their arms to hope that the television turns on. And you know, no one's going to, after the third time of keyword, insert command, and they can't recognize your voice, right? You're just going to give up. Uh, that if your goal is adoption in the system, it can't be your only strategy. And I want to say only strategy because it doesn't mean it's not a strategy. When COVID first was booming, not to say it's not booming, uh, in, in different parts of the U.S. especially, um, we thought it was very transmittable by touching objects, right? And we were cleaning countertops 500 times a day. We learned since then that it's, you know, vapor droplets, uh, you know, how you talk. Right. So it's COVID's not going to drive a touchless revolution for that. It did give a second life to QR codes, which we thought were out after 2012, 10 minutes after they were introduced. Um, but they're back better than ever. Um, so I think there's some there's always going to be someone who wants to control it from their device. And that's not a touchless interface, but it's not a touch screen interface. It's not a communal device. Um, there needs to be 
that aspect. There's going to be people who want to bring their home life into their work life. They have a very well set up and trained um, AI assistant, and they're used to it and they want that experience. And that can be part of a strategy. But to say those are the only two methods that you can really provide, um, I don't think serves everybody uh, well. And I'm certainly, you know, we've talked about some big companies here just, you know, in the last one, but like there's a huge difference between, you know, Terry's Tire Mart. Uh, and how maybe their customers want to operate and, uh, you know, someone with 50,000 employees all over the globe where they're trying to make a single user interface. So that way, if you're in Taiwan or if you're in uh, L.A. or you're in London, right, you know how to and you feel confident using that technology. So I, I, I don't I don't know if we'll ever get to we're only going to do gesture or we're only going to do voice. or We're going to get rid of touchscreens. Right. Um, you know, we still have button presses, we still have remote controls that show up on tables, there's people that want to use their phones, there's people that want to use their tablets, there's people that want something on the wall, so that way there's nothing on the table, right? Again, there's no right or wrong answer. It's all about what your stakeholders want, and ultimately what gets people using your equipment. Um, putting in a voice-only control solution that results in no one using the equipment is obviously not the right financial decision. Conversely, if no one wants to use a touchscreen, Putting a touchscreen in as the only way to use the system is also not a good option. So having more options moving forward, I think, is going to be the key. Uh, but not putting all your eggs in the most emerging options is going to be probably the wisest path forward. Well, I want to point out something as, as we wrap up here. What Mike was saying here is not just you know, listen to your customers, but also verify that. Like, let's go back and, and look at the analytics and look at some of the, the remote monitoring software that does give you that information. Okay. What was used the most in this room? Was it voice? Was it touch panel? Was it, you know, the QR code or, or the, the mobile app? Uh, and that's one thing that goes back to our first story. As that convergence has come together, has given folks really in, in AV the power to say, yes, um, you use this more or no, you don't ever touch the VCR button. And that's a callback to Mike and I's uh, tech manager days. All right, guys, thank you so much. Mr. Henkel, thank you, sir. How do people connect with you or uh, or uh, Netgear? You can uh, get Netgear's Pro AV stuff at netgear.com slash Pro AV. You can also reach out to our design team for free at Pro AV Design at netgear.com. Those are some smart guys who can help you with your AV or IT questions. Very smart guys. And if, you, if you're lucky, you'll get Laurent. Uh, yes. Which not for ain't nothing. It's he's just cool to talk to because he's Laurent and he has a really <laughs> great French accent. Uh, Brandis, thank you, sir. How do people connect with you or QSC? You can connect with QSC on the internet at qsc.com. You can find out information about our new TSC Gen three touchscreen controllers and uh, some new products that I've worked on the NC series network cameras. Um, you can find me on Twitter if you're struggling to sleep. My banal thoughts will get you where you need to go. At Mike Brandis AV. All right, very good for us for AV Nation or for me. Don't don't follow me on the Twitters, um, because by the time you hear this, um, I'll be on a boat somewhere. Um, no, just no, I will be on a boat. I'm going on vacation next week, so Matt Scott will be uh, joining you for next week's AV Week. Um, I will be watching the Bears game on Thanksgiving and probably crying in my gravy. Uh, but go by the website, if you would, please, avionation.tv. That's avionation.tv. You will find this program as well as a host of others. A um, couple of, of things that we've got coming down the pipeline that I've got coming down the pipeline. Number one, if you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, 
uh, sometime at the end of November. Don't care, you know, the 29th or 30th. You can come and hang out with me. I'm going to be at Alamo E4. Uh, I'll be with my buddy Megan Dutta um, from Rave, as well as Alicia Henley and all the fine folks at Alamo. If you're not and you still want to hang out with us, we've got you covered there. Uh, if you go over to e4evolution.com, you can register because Alamo E4 in Dallas is a pure, pure hybrid event. So Megan and I will be conversing, I guess, with the people online all day. Uh, and you can tell us where to go, like what booths to uh, to go see, or you can just tell us where to go, and you know we, we may or may not respond to that. Uh, the following week, uh, you can hang out with me and our buddies over at Future uh, for an entire day of, of of AV goodness. It's called AV Network Nation, AVN2. We're doing it again on December 9th, uh, 2021. You can register for that at avnetworknation.com. Some really, really good um, topics. A couple of things, uh, we're going to talk about AV and the economy, AV and IT, and I am really excited about this one, um, the audio ecosystem. Talked with a uh, uh, woman from Shen Milsom Wilkie uh, this week, uh, Kristen Selinger, and she just blew my brain. I, I just, one of the smartest acousticians that I've ever met. Uh, so really, really smart folks. So two things happening in the next two weeks, either e4evolution.com uh, or every avnetworknation.com and come hang out with us. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. Thank you.